Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We are looking at 1 Kings chapter 9 and this is verse 1. When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and achieved all that he desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea you made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. God's giving this promise of his eternal blessing on this temple, this place of worship that Solomon had built. The saying almost, well done, well done. That's a good thing that you've done. But verse four, as for you, Solomon, if you walk before me in integrity of heart, and uprightness as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. And so Solomon, if you obey God's will, God will give you this eternal promise for your throne. For your presence, you know, God says, my presence is going to be on, the th on this, on this uh, temple forever. Your presence will be on this throne forever through your sons, as long as you walk in faithfulness before me. This, this is an echo of the same promise he gave to David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Same promise to Solomon, his son, right here in 1 Kings chapter 9. But, verse 6, but if you or your sons turn away from me, <laughs> and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them. Then, verse 7, I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and will reject this temple I've consecrated for my name. So interesting. God just blessed this temple. It says, if you worship other gods, I will curse this temple. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule amongst all the peoples. Meaning all the other peoples, all the other kids would go, na 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 na, <laughs> God just cursed you. He'll make fun of you. Verse eight, and though this temple is now imposing or impressive, all who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to the land and to this temple, people will answer because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. So actually, actually the purpose of God speaking to Solomon here at the height of his success um, and, and being a king, but also being a worshiper of God at the height of his success is to give him warning, to say that, hey, don't turn away from me. The consequences are very, very dire. And I guess it's important for anyone who is, well, in a sense, doing well in Christian ministry as a Christian, you know, you're successful in quantifiable terms. Lots of people are coming to your church, you know, you've built this ministry, that kind of thing. And God is saying, you know, if you walk in faithfulness, this is my blessing on you. But if you walk away from me because of this success, 
the implications might be even more dire, even more serious, because you're just so visible, just so、um, you'll be made a, an example by God at on this very very thing that God has built and blessed upon. Here is the temple, for us might be you know, ministry, or it might be even our public witness before other people. And the thing about Solomon is actually here, right here at least in chapter nine, he's still kind of like doing okay. In chapter nine, the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about how he becomes even more successful. Yes, and all this gold from Hiram. <laughs> actually, it's quite funny if you read on in verse twelve. Hiram is actually very besong with Solomon because he kind of like got cheated by Solomon, but he can't do anything about it because Solomon is such an important business partner. That Hiram, even though he gets cheated, he can't do anything, can't say anything. He keeps giving him even more gold, even up to the end. You know, Hiram still gives him four hundred and twenty talents of gold. You know, no choice. You know, Solomon is like the Amazon. You know, the biggest player in the field. So, you know, no choice. You know, he's just so that powerful. And verses fifteen to nineteen, he builds all this city, even this one particular city. Um, had that、uh, that had been destroyed, King Pharaoh had destroyed in verse sixteen. Solomon can build it again, so he's so powerful that anything that people destroy, he has the resources to build it again, almost to bring it back to life. Because he just has all the money, the materials, but also the manpower. He has all this slave labor. Verse twenty: Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and these are names of. Foreign labor, <laughs> so he forces all the foreigners to become his laborers. But his own people, it says here, they will never be a slave. And he treats them very well, and he turns them into managers. He turns them into his officials, his officers, his managers to look out, look over all this forced foreign labor. So he, you know, in a sense, he's being nice to his own people, but he also has this big manpower resource that he's conscripted. From all the international cities and countries that he's overtaken, but verse twenty-four talks about Pharaoh's daughter. Verse twenty-four, Pharaoh's daughter had come up from the city of David to the palace Solomon had built for her, and that's very significant because in the beginning of the chapter, Solomon builds two structures. He builds a temple for God, but then he builds a temp, a palace, a home. Verse twenty-four for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, and God had saved his people from Egypt from slavery, and actually here he is, you know, doing business with the people who used to enslave them, and so it's already kind of like a little bit of a warning sign. Hey, Solomon, what are you doing? And he was probably saying, you know, it's just a business deal. You know, he hasn't done anything here. He's just built a nice house for her. After he's built a nice house for God, but it's almost trying to say, you know, his heart. His hands are now divided in terms of his allegiances and his worship. You know, hey, watch it, watch it, Solomon. Verse twenty-five: Three times a year, Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings on the altar he had built for the Lord. So he still went to church. He still gave all the required offerings and sacrifices. It says here, burning incense before the Lord, along with them, and so fulfilled. The temple obligations. So again, on the surface, you know, Solomon still looks like a Christian. He still worships God, but somehow outside of church, you know, his success in the business world, in the kingdom world, is kind of like raising some questions already. 
hey, you know, will this become a snare for you? And indeed, if you know the story, it does. It causes God to take the kingdom away from him, causes God to take the land away from his people, and it causes God to curse the very thing he's blessed in chapter 9, the temple. Why? So that when people look at that, people will say, it's because they have forsaken the Lord their God. It's again a warning for us you know, not to, well, how do we do it? To confuse material success with spiritual faithfulness. You know, spiritual faithfulness sometimes often means that maybe this has to come under that. Maybe, maybe don't, not to authenticate, use as an excuse to then get away with doing things that kind of like lead our hearts astray from God. And God is saying here to Solomon in chapter 9, hey, watch your heart. Watch your heart. Well, actually, not just as an application to us, I think this chapter also points forward to the cross, to Jesus. Because if you remember Jesus on the cross, they were pointing to him and they were scorning at him. You know, ha 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 ha, God is judging you. And there it shows that God really did pour out his anger, but not on us, but on a better Solomon, on a better king. And so here's the thing that you need to think about. You know, Solomon would have been blessed if he was faithful to God, but he would be cursed if he was unfaithful to God. But here's a better Solomon who was faithful, who was devoted to God, who, who was faithful to the point of death, but God still cursed him. And that's meant to show that God was pouring out the curses that should be on us because we've forsaken God, but on his faithful king. Jesus died taking the very curse, taking the very byword, taking the very scorn and rejection that should have come on us. So that the faithful blessing that God pours out on Solomon here, that God pours out on Jesus, he pours that out on us. That's the gospel, that's the kind of exchange. Instead of us being judged, us being scorned, God rejects and pours out his anger on his son so that he can pour out his blessing, his love, his forgiveness on us, on the cross. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have a better king, a truly faithful and humble king in the Lord Jesus Christ, who took our death, took our judgment upon himself. Thank you so much for the blessing and the reward that comes through him. We do not deserve it but we thank you and praise you for it, for it comes through the true Son, the true King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we praise you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take care. God bless. Bye. There's a new day to leave behind your troubles. There's a new day and it will save Oh